HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Today's program is brought to you by Firesider, a health tonic based on the traditional New England cure-all of raw apple cider vinegar and honey. For more information, visit firesider.com. I'm Greg Blaze, host of Cutting the Curd. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network, broadcasting live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. If you like this program, visit heritageradionetwork.org for thousands more. And welcome to the food scene on HeritageRadioNetwork.org. I'm your host, Michael Harlan Turkel, here today with Fernando Asiar of O Cafe, FIFO Studio, and these beautiful little coasters plates that I have in front of me. Um, usually I'm drinking a glass of water when I'm on air, but I've never had it placed on something so beautiful. <laughs> Thank you. So um, th- this was kind of one of those situations where, you know, I, I strolled into a place and I, I saw something and... I put it in the back recesses of my mind, and then I saw it again, and I put it in the back recesses of my mind. And it was your pottery. It was your ceramics. Um, and then my wife worked in Midtown, uh, near Little Brazil, and found out, I don't know how, about Pau de Queijo. Now, let's, let's start about that little Brazilian cheese bun and kind of expand from there. But talk to me about, you know, why that is at the core of what O Cafe is. Uh, when we opened five years ago, um, I want to keep um, the cafe as simple as possible. So basically, I want to serve coffee and what coffee comes uh, with. And it was uh, the pound de queijo, cheese buns. Because it's a basic thing that you have in the farm in Brazil. Initially, I just want to serve a Brazilian coffee. And with that comes the cheese buns. So um, it was very interesting to see the community in the village to adopt the, the tiny buns, like very radical, a product of today is like, I don't know how to explain, the kids they come, they cannot live with the, without them. And it took like um, three years to create the movement that we have today of, um, uh, it's like obsession. Yeah. To people that uh, they have already three, four kids in five years, three kids. And, and they move like five blocks away. Maybe it's not anymore village, but it's village. And they had to come and walk because the kids, they wanted. 
So it's kind of crazy. Yeah. Well, let's note that O Cafe sits on what is it? Sixth Avenue. Sixth on West Twelfth Street. Yeah. And it was the former location of Joe Junior. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> and Joe Junior, for any New Yorker that uh, um, loved kind of old school diners, um, that was a place to get just like the greasiest spoon hamburger in town. And it was so loved that there may have been a little pushback when you came in. Oh, but they hid me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But how could they ever hate you? I don't know. They hate me. Like, it was painful. I dreamed with Joe Juniors for months. Yeah. Yeah. Other people used to open the door and say, Joe Juniors! <laughs> and they disappeared. And, and just run away. And run away. And we're all like, oh, my God. Yeah. But you, you're at this amazing time in New York where there, you know, sadly, aren't many diners as there used to be. But the transition is we use coffee shops in the way that all-day diners were, you know, inhabited for years. So true, yeah. So... How does the concept of a restaurant change when you go from a diner to a coffee shop? Well, initially, I think um, the coffee shop, I was tired of cooking and I just want to have coffee and be more simple. So, uh, you know, I travel all over Brazil and South America and until I put together the cafe and and I just want to have coffee and chocolate. That's it. But then um, because I was a former chef, you know, I, I ended making muffins and admin things, and it became today like, no, I, I hate restaurants. I don't want to have restaurants. I, I prefer the uh, casual. Um, it goes with my personality. But um, so it became so much of the food that, of course, today we are a cafe. Um, and it means that our cafe was our cafe because it's the coffee in Portuguese, and I was in Brazil for 10 years. But um, but today we are a cafe, and, and I, I agree, it's the new diner. Um, it's a new diner where all these individuals with 80 and 70 years old come and read a newspaper. And they are with the hipster next to them, and, you know, the family and the kids and the artists. And, and it's so interesting. It's completely different. It changed. Also, I think because the diner... It's not pro quality, and we are also self aware of quality today. It's like we pursued only for that. Um, and if the diner is not doing a good job in terms of bringing quality, why am I gonna pay that when I can pay for better product? Um, it's coming with customer service, better ambiance, more uh, mindful. And we became that. We're in New York, everyone wants to be better, better, better. So it's all about compostable, like being. Being, you know, uh, connected to what's going on today. And I think the diner is not doing that anymore. It's like an old lady. Uh, we love it because, you know, it's always been there. But I hope we can reborn that somehow, but I don't see it. I try myself to go to diners, but I just don't, I can't take it. Yeah, well, you know, it's, it's exactly what you said. You know, the simplicity, it, it's so in front of your face that you can't really hide poor quality. Um, and, you know, that's why you strive for such high quality things, aside from just service and food, um, creating this atmosphere that, you know, feels refined, but also feels very casual. But on that note, you aren't Brazilian at all. Uh, no, no, I'm an Argentinian. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And in Argentina, when you grew up, you were used to having, you know, a kitchen full of ladies making, you know, tomato jam. Yeah. Uh, your dining room table kind of taken over for months yeah. with quince paste drying. Mm-hmm. And it's these very simple things that took, you know, a lot of time and effort to make and refinement 
um, that I think are kind of staples of how you think about food? Well, uh, there is no doubt that you are made of what your background is, you know, your history. Um, I, I don't choose to be a chef or a cook or something like that. I think it was the only thing that... I, but I want to be an architect or a designer, but it was super crazy for where I come from. So um, the repetition of seeing food and great food and um, grandmas and uh, parents that are involved with food made me choose something that I felt completely confident um, and even though it was a crazy thing to do by the time, I became the only first cook of the generation of my town, I think. Um, and I had to fight with my father and leave the, the house and everything because I want to do that. But, um, but he never realized that that was what I saw my whole life, like in a different way, more uh, in the cultural way, more folkloric way uh, with all these Ladies, because in South America we have so many people working for you, you know, around the house. And, and even if we are in the country, you're going to have always someone that you are the, the godfather, godmother of the family, so they come and help you. In exchange, you give uh, food. For example, uh, you can give the, the leftovers of the, the queens and, and they can make jelly. And so you give sugar and the leftovers and they can have jelly the whole year. So things like that, I don't know, it's like so interesting. And even this lottery of the pig, uh, you, you know, you're going to have five days of work and then sausages and prosciutto and all that that we make by ourselves. So I grew up like that and I never mean to to be uh, a cook, but I, I deeply, uh, I was dying to do something different. Um, and that's why the pottery today, I think I started doing pottery when I was a kid, but that was very, very like... Um, terracotta style you know like a more Andes uh, different style but I, I felt um, the, 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 the same feeling of cooking and um, the process of uh, ceramic making is so similar that I never understood how I migrate so fast in so short time um, and today I have uh, Fefo Studio Fefo is because my friends from Brazil call me like that um, <laughs> And I want to keep it hidden because I'm not in Brazil anymore. But then my um, wife, uh, friends from France, start to call me Fefo, Fefo, Fefo. And now it's not hidden anymore. Yeah. So. What does Fefo mean? Uh, Fernando Fefo. It was Fefinho Fefe, in Portuguese. Fefinho is like, yeah, like dear one. Yeah. Like in my name, but dear one. Kind yeah. Of. Yeah. So Fefo Studio was this kind of natural extension for you because of the tactility of working with your hands. And we were talking about bread baking prior to the show. Mm -hmm. And uh, there's one bread in specific, uh, tortillas al rescoldo, uh -huh. which happens in Argentina, which actually doesn't feel like a bread that has much, um, you know, interaction. Um, no, you you, you want to know how we make them? Yeah, or? absolutely. Oh, yeah, yeah. So um, um, I used to go with the lady who takes care of my grandma to the river and we grab sand. Um, so the sand will cover these uh, flatbreads that are made of uh, flour and um, 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 fat or butter and milk. And, and we put fire on top and it will take, uh, it's called rescoldo because in Spanish means overnight. So it will cook overnight. So the day after you come, you open the sun and you have this uh, burnt uh, flat bread. Uh, then, then you scratch with the, 
um, a knife, and then in Mendoza, uh, where is the wine uh, capital of Argentina, uh, they call raspaditas because it's like the scratchy ones. But that's the the commercial version. But we have them at home, and they're so delicious with mate or with uh, any uh, cheese. Uh, and actually, I, every time when I go once a year, I, I grab 10 and I always come with them and I put them in the freezer. So I still have two. I just move from my apartment to another yeah. and I bring the two leftovers I have. Yeah, yeah that's my, my background, my family. It makes me feel very connected. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, we were talking about working with your hands again and, you know, that bread and everything else that you had done in Argentina, um, as well as, as ceramics, kind of... Uh, did you feel like a child? Did you feel like a kid yes. playing? Or did it feel like you were working towards a profession? Yeah, I, I had deeply that part of a kid. Um, and this is the fact to be in New York is all about business. And, you know, uh, you disconnect with yourself and disconnect with your soul and, and what you should be. And, you know, you mean to be something different. Um, and the, the fact of working with clay is super, um, gives you a meditation state. Um, and also, um, you play. So when you're a kid, you play. You just feel the comfort. Uh, you don't need to do anything for anyone. It's just for you. It's very naive. And in the fact that you're creating something, the tendency when you're working in the wheel is to become everything, a bowl. You know? It's the round thing. But then when you start discovering that you could add a handle or... A weird shape. You, then you migrate to casting, um, slip casting, uh, which I did when I was ten, and I never knew uh, that was so cool to do uh, by yourself, crazy molds. So then the evolution goes from the wheel to the slab, and and you're playing all the time. And then when you decide to discover and go deep with glaze, which is all chemicals, there's not any more flour and sugar, you know, which is it's very easy to understand but then you're working with chemicals that can affect your health um, and the temperatures and all that it's non-stop so at that point I'm so confused today on what to do in terms of uh, the style that um, I've been uh, through different process so the cafe became my biggest experiment and the customers they can tell because I've been bringing batches of 12, 24, 8, 6 different cappuccinos, presto cups all over. They stole them also, you know, it was just so funny. Uh, today I kind of understand what I want. It's still in the process, but I want to add color into things, but um, in a way that's fun, and in, it, it, it never feel like you're buying an Ikea cup. Because the process is, um, it takes a lot of time to do it. Uh, and it's all about time, time, and time. And your, your, your hands are working on it. You know, it's like, it's your personal work. So there is a value there. And then I, I, I understand that people see it now today. I think ceramics, they became very hip for restaurants and for all that. Uh, which I use the wave, by the way, because um, I know my French chefs and I start to sell them. So it became a business yeah. today. You see them in Contra, Wild Air. Yeah. Uh, does your friend Ignacio. But, uh, well, yeah, I'm still in process. Uh, there are two huge jars. It's been like for two months, they're going to kill me, but I yeah. need to finish <laughs> that. It's just they crack if you, uh, you know, uh, accelerate the process. Uh, but uh, yeah, I just delivered um, Momofuku Nishi and I'm working on a prototype for the tea uh, uh, pots and then uh, Prana Chai from 
Canada, from Australia. I sell to Canada for a wine bar, um, and all because uh, Instagram, which I've never been Instagrammer. Yeah. <laughs> and I don't like much, it. but that brings me business, so I yeah. respect a lot that fact. Well, I mean, your work is, is also beautiful. Oh, thank you. You know, and uh, <laughs> the most amazing part is that you do all this work and you know it's not you know mass manufactured you are taking it home and you are hand painting yeah. every single one so I, I just don't even know how you have the time to do it and I, I only assume it's because you own a cafe and you have plenty of coffee <laughs> well I have, I have a lot of energy and that's a big problem because um, yeah it's too much sometimes I, I, yesterday was I had a breakdown I was so tired um, but because I, I don't respect the the moment I should stop and yeah I bring home and I, you know we are moving and I say I need to have a room for my studio and my wife said no no possible <laughs> no here too no 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 uh, so um, yeah I paint and I, I have few commissions I send to places in California Napa for restaurants for architects and designers so it's been so fast I cannot believe it it's just it's too much going on and it's by myself and I'm in the process of I should keep doing by myself or bring more people involved and become more commercial and so I'm in that point um, so far I'm having a lot of fun yeah. and it's uh, I feel extremely lucky to do what I love deeply like um, I would love that many people have the same opportunity you know well if you're listening and you want to you may be work in ceramics you can find FIFO Studio out in Rockaways and yes. stop in Old Cafe and see Fernando and yeah. offer your hand well come to the show uh, <laughs> May 18th yes it's the opening yeah. it's going to be an exciting show and we're going to get back to that we're going to take a quick break you can listen to the food scene on heritageradionetwork.org we'll be right back Today's program was brought to you by Fire Cider. Did your grandmother ever tell you to drink raw apple cider vinegar? It's good advice and more common than you may think. For generations of New Englanders, a tot of vinegar was a morning ritual. Taken daily, a tablespoon of unfiltered apple cider vinegar can help support immune function and digestive functions. To the base of certified organic apple cider vinegar, Firesider added whole raw certified organic oranges, lemons, onions, ginger, horseradish, habanero pepper, garlic, and turmeric. They let this mixture steep for six weeks at room temperature to preserve the living vinegar culture and delicate flavors of the ingredients. Lastly, they blend a generous helping of raw wildflower honey into the mix. The result is potent but balanced, offering layers of sweet, tart, and spice. Fire cider tastes great on its own or as an addition to tea, juice, or salad. Fire cider ships direct from their online store and is available at over 500 locations nationwide. Use their store locator to find one near you and ask for a free sample. For more information, visit firesider.com. The one and only Dave Arnold brings the noise to Heritage Radio Network every Tuesday on Cooking Issues. Coming to you live on the Heritage Radio Network from Roberta's Pizzeria in Bushwick and Brooklyn. If the bomb was going to drop 
and you only had 15 minutes. Which is like, I can, I can make a sandwich in 15 minutes. And you'd be eating a sandwich. I'd kiss my wife, make a sandwich. If you believe that it's all about to be over, why eat healthy? I'm not a freaking Neanderthal. I like a tempered ice cream sandwich. But it's the only way to get around it if you're a party master because you, you're going to wind up, like your kitchen's going to fill with dishes. And is Some there... people have commercial dishwashers in their house. Who? I've seen them. Who? I've seen them. Who? <laughs> really rich people. <laughs> For more mile-a-minute knowledge from Dave and the crew, listen to Cooking Issues, available on Heritage Radio Network, iTunes, and Stitcher. And welcome back to the food scene on HeritageRadioNetwork.org. I'm your host, Michael Harlan Jerkel, here today with Fernando Asiar of O Cafe, Fefo Studios. And we were talking about, you know, many of things, uh, from from clay to powder cajos, but let's let's talk about fire. <laughs> Because you spent a lot of your cooking career with a man well-known for, for setting things aflame. That is Francis Melman. Uh, talk to me about the influence he had on you, his cooking style, and maybe how that translated into how you run your businesses now. Um, I think the first thing that I saw from Francis is that, that, um, that there is no limit uh, when you work with him. Um, there is a lot of work, more than normal. Um, but um, there is no limit, so he uh, gives us the approach to everything. So you can be connected today with a, a, a king and a queen or a simple person. <laughs> and that's his way to work um, and always um, very romantic and dreamy. Uh, you never know that when you're there. More if you, I, in my case, I come from Hachal, uh, San Juan, Argentina. I'm going to Mendoza, which is like two hours and my first job was with him when I was 18, so I never knew other way. I'd never been in Buenos Aires before. I was like from country to his universe. So, um, of course, you are attached to uh, the view and the aesthetics of his way to be because it's very personal. Um, but um, I felt home and I felt that I was in a place that I love to live in Mendoza, um, doing the right thing at the right time. Um, and I never knew. And he was not famous. Oh, of course, in Argentina, like big time TV celebrity and in the restaurants. But he not, was not famous anywhere, like maybe in Europe, but maybe France. But in London, he has friends. But no, like the craziness that's happening today with uh, the, the series in Netflix, which if you say are you Argentinian, you say Francis Malman or you say <laughs> the Pope or Messi. So it's kind of interesting. Um but yeah, Francis, I, I worked with him for six years, um, my early career, um, all over, uh, from Uruguay um, in Los Negros, which is the most beautiful restaurant ever. Um, and then different situations, like going to Sao Paulo and working in places in Europe and opening in Sao Paulo La Figuera. That's why I stay in, in, in Brazil, Sao Paulo and then Rio. And, and then an opportunity to be here in Long Island in Hamptons when Patagonia West was there like long, long time ago. Yeah. <laughs> was fun, yeah. My first approach to New York downtown. So what about New York made you want to be here? Uh, I, the energy of everything possible. Like there is no way that you can be like here you can do anything. Like, I was in, in Sao Paulo, and it's insane, the city. You can be in the F and can be insane. But nothing like New York. Uh, you have no title here. You can be anyone you want to be and do anything you want to. 
So being in Rio for seven years, I, I thought there was a limit. And I was very happy to be there, but there, there was a limit and I was very young and I still won a challenge. And I found challenges in New York, yeah. big, 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 big ones. Not easy, but I'm doing what I mean to do. And I'm doing uh, the right thing today for yeah. me personally. And you were drawn in through a friend, uh, Ignacio Matos, yeah. who was working at El Buco and mm. said, come on over, cook with me. Uh, yeah, but they were opening alimentary. Um, uh, at that point, I was I really don't want to cook, and I want to dedicate to a product on uh, my family because making sausages and salami and jams and all that, I always like the idea to have an almacén and a product. So I felt like, okay, this is what I'm gonna do. Um, it's more lifestyle. Talk to people, I love that, and create like an environment. So Il Buco Alimentari was a perfect uh, situation, but never opened. It took forever. So I ended in leaving, and the, the job I was uh, helping at Il Buco in many stages, which I loved. I, I loved Donna. Um, and then I went for the sabbatic and, and to find the, the idea of opening a cafe and traveling and uh, getting research and learning about cacao, coffee, and, and creating a business. So... Then I went back uh, and Alimentari opened and in the beginning we sell the coffee there. Um, yeah, it was great. Yeah, and Justin, which I like a lot. Yeah. A friend. yeah. And you, you talk about creating an environment and we, we've talked a little bit about, you know, what O Cafe looks like and feels like, but how, how close is it to those childhood memories? I, I know you've told me a story about... Uh, you used to serve submarinos at O Cafe but have since ceased. Oh, yeah, true. So the submarino situation is like I, I, my father forced me to go to the farmer's market uh, one, two hours away from home at that point. And um, in the way that he, the candy in this case was to drop me at the churros um, station was like a cafe serving submarinos. And that was the, the cherry on the, you know, on the cake for me. So, of course, I always say yes. Uh, they make these amazing uh, Spanish uh, wheel churros and they cut with scissors and they put sugar and they put it just in paper. It was a huge amount of them. And they serve it at the submarino, like it's just hot milk with a stick of this uh, national chocolate called Aguila, which everyone knows. Um, and then you wait and you stir, and it's the most delicious thing on earth. You know, churro with submarino at 7 a.m. is like a dream. Um, so I tried to do the same at O Cafe, but everyone was complaining that it tastes no chocolate and it was not, you know, cacao powder or, or you don't see the, um, um, the all coming together because you have part of chocolate, part of hot milk, and you need just to wait. Uh, so it never worked out. Um, we have it for four months, maybe. And then at one point I say, you know, I'm tired of people returning this. So it was funny. Yeah. I will do it sometime because if you pursue something, people get the idea. Like the pound de queijo and other things that we, um, even the brigadeiros. Now Mariana from Brigadeiro Bakery, she opened her own. Um, she's doing awesome. Um, but we've been selling brigadeiros forever. And then tapioca, which is became, it's my favorite thing on earth. Tapioca, um, it's opening soon in New York, two stores, and it's going to be for everyone to try the crepes that Brazilians have. Um, and it's so perfect, you know, perfect with uh, coffee, perfect with many things, just with cheese and oregano. And So two things are coming. Um, 
and like the taco explosion all over, I think we're going to have different things going on from South America, um, which is very interesting. Yeah. Whereas you said, you know, really anything can happen here in New York. Um, it's amazing that you found yet another collaborator uh, that you never thought you'd work with, a, a cake maker by the name of Margaret Braun. Yeah. Um, and there is that amazing creative energy here that you really can do whatever you want. And what are the two of you doing? How did this transpire? Well, we are soulmates, I think. We, <laughs> she was the And date. your wife knows that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> she was a date of um, a friend uh, coming to our wedding. And then we met. I was drunk, of course, at my wedding. And then I never saw her again until she found me at the, the pottery studio. And then we bound it. Um, and then I, I invite her to the studio in the Rockaways. And then we start. We've been going together for three months. So we create this show. It's like, okay... I, I need to make cakes, she said. You know, I'm not making cakes enough now. And, but I also, I'm not selling pottery. Okay, we need to do a show. So we need to create something. Because we were in the transition. We are not potters, but we either we're not a baker's or chef. We're in the transition in the middle of something. So um, we, we decided to put together this show. And Margaret has been making cakes for everyone for 30 years. And crazy cakes. So she developed uh, her pottery working with uh, porcelain in the same aesthetics, kind of um, very beautiful, natural feeling, thin, um, very special. So we're working in, in this show that's going to be, um, we have two different styles. So I think they go very well together. And it's going to be for the design week of the Seaport Studios, uh, May 18th in the afternoon um, and then we have two weeks residency there we want to have our open studio for everyone to come we're going to have um, on the 19 a special dinner about design and food um, uh, it's going to be interesting um, um, and then on the 26th we have a talk about um, the, what happened and with artists when this change occurred that you want to transform yourself in something else in the subject of food um, so we have Kate Crater, like moderator, um, a panel of six interesting people that um, I will uh, announce tomorrow. Yeah. You know, this show was created about the intersections of food, art, and design. And I think it took a while for me to understand what the difference was between an artist and a chef. Um, and I think, you know, it, historically, um, there was a difference, but only in the past maybe decade even even less than that have those two things kind of amalgamated you yeah. know they fuse in this way that you you are a creative emotive um you know connected person to something other than just food yeah you want to express yourself yeah it's beyond food it's not just food there's so much going on and today we have so many ways to express ourselves that the the title of being one thing is not allowed anymore I think we shouldn't be called one thing. It's complicated because we're already a complex uh, human beings and you go through process of art. And then because food is art, it goes and evolves and architecture is art, you know, you love to cook and music. So you never go and you navigate for different channels and ceramics is one of them, painting is one of them, sculptures are one of them and, and keep going on, you know, it's like you're never gonna stop. I think that there is no anymore a, a title. That's why we want to have the talk to discuss this and what's going on with us more when we are in the 30s and we have this um, 
think I want to do more than this. This is not enough for me and I, I'm tired of this. Or maybe I'm going to incorporate new things to this. And that is what is happening. You're creating like a, like a community around you of things that um, you feel related and makes you feel happy. For me, it's all about living today. So if that means for you to do it, just do it. And don't think about what people say, just do it. And I can see that I did it. <laughs> and yeah. It's like, you know, too much going on now, which is great. And one of the best places in New York uh, to go and contemplate that thought exactly is is so cafe oh thank you <laughs> thank you so much for being on and uh i can't wait to see your chat at design week okay you've been listening to the food scene at heritage radio network.org i'm your host michael harlan turkel hoping to have you back here next tuesday at three big shout out to firesiders uh i couldn't ask for a better sponsor being how much i love vinegar and music by cookies and david engineering Thanks for listening to this program on HeritageRadioNetwork.org. You can find all of our archived programs on our website or as podcasts in the iTunes store by searching Heritage Radio Network. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at Heritage underscore Radio. You can email us questions at any time at info at HeritageRadioNetwork.org. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization. To donate and become a member, visit our website today. Thanks for listening.